Homegrown Solutions, Sustainability in Crisis is a deep dive into highlighting community members and initiatives as they adapt to a global pandemic. Here are their stories. Hello, everyone. My name is Chio Meyerfield with Kevin Institute, and I'll be your host for today. For this interview, I talked with the writer, Afrofuturism enthusiast, Maurice Broaddus. For today, we discuss his writing journey to where he is now, Afrofuturism and writing, and relating to real-world issues in a writer's mind during the pandemic. To start off, can you tell me a little bit about your introduction to writing? Uh, well, my actual introduction to writing uh, happened when I first moved uh, to this country because I was originally born in London. Um, and so they didn't know where to quite place me in the school system. And so when they uh, they had already skipped me ahead a greater yeah, a grade to put me in second grade, but knew I uh, could probably be skipped again. But they were like, yeah, we can't we can't do that to you. So my teacher literally had me in the back of the class, gave me a stack of paper and just said, you know what, just create stuff this year. Um, and so that was actually my introduction to, uh, to writing. Uh, but it wasn't until I was a, a senior in high school and then, uh, and then later on in, uh, in college where I encountered uh, teachers and, uh, pro- and professors who really encouraged me in my writing and said, look, I, you really have something here. So we, we want you to pursue this uh, in, in a really serious and uh, intentional way. And when you first came to the country and you first started getting that more and more motivation to start writing, who were your contemporaries and who were your inspirations? I pretty much drew, uh, let's see, I think there were like one, two, I, I'd say there were four major influences in, in my, in my writing life. Um, cause, cause I, I, I'm, I'm black. I am, uh, and, and I'm a Christian and, you know, these, these are the sort of things that form my worldview, right. Um, as well as being a fantasy author. And so when I was first starting off, I, uh, one of my big influences was, uh, well, Edgar Allan Poe and uh, Neil Gaiman were like two of my early uh, horror and fantasy uh, influences. Um, but as I wanted to try and incorporate more of my uh, worldview and, and trying to define what my my particular voice is, um, I, I was helped by three, three books in particular. So one was uh, Stephen King. Uh, he had a novel called Desperation. And, uh, and the theme of that book is if you're not in a state of faith, then you're in a state of desperation. And, you know, it had a killer sheriff going around murdering a lot of people, uh, as one does. Uh, but uh, that, that actually gave me a really keen insight into what it would look like to incorporate ideas of my faith into my work. Um, and then the other two books would be uh, Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower and Walter Mosley's Futureland. Um, and so and that those two books in particular really helped shape what what my voice, what, what, what writing could look like as a black creative. Um, Octavia Butler is uh, uh, one of the people cited uh, the, uh, for the term Afrofuturism, uh, and so and so her work really sort of uh, inspired me to like, wow, we can do this. We can do this sort of work as us, you know, not not trying to write to the market or or or, or to be you know, the next Stephen King in that we have to disguise who we are in order to write what we want to write. Um, and then uh, with Walter Mosley's Futureland, uh, you know, just the, the level of world building he does. And I mean, because he's mostly known as a crime writer, but for, but uh, Futureland was one of his science fiction uh, forays. And so 
uh, he does this incredible world building and, and this reimagining of, of black people in the future and black people creating uh, different futures. And, and I was, and that has just really stayed with me in, ter- in terms of, uh, you know, what it means to be, like I said, what it means to be a, a black creative. Um, and then honestly, the, uh, the other uh, inspiration for me uh, uh, to reveal some of my geek, geek nerds uh, roots there would be uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, which is like one of my favorite uh, series of all time. But and part of it was, you know, there's this black man who's the captain of this, star, of this space station, and uh, he's absolutely unapologetically black. Uh, and he carries himself with, with, I don't know, just just his very presence, just seeing him in the future with his son, uh, you know, uh, their relationships, how how they uh, navigate through their world. uh, All of that just really just sort of, uh, sort of inspired me. I see a lot of like, correlation with Afro, Afrofuturism and um, just like just like experience writing and I just want to get a little bit more on your relationship with Afrofuturism and correlating it in your writing. Okay. So um, I actually had no idea what Afrofuturism was uh, until a few years ago because uh, I had a short story collection come out and it was called uh, The Voices of Martyrs. And because uh, I've written uh, over a hundred short stories, and so Voices of Martyrs is was is one of my first, well, is my first short story collection. And uh, and I was looking at some of the reviews of, of the book because the book is divided between past, present, and future. Um, some of my, you know, because that's when some of the various stories take place. And uh, in some of the reviews, uh, I was noticing there were several that mentioned, hey, you know, it's a really, it's a great collection. Um, a, a lot of horror stories fill the, the past and, 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 and the present stories. But when Maurice gets to writing to the future, that's when he really reveals himself as an Afrofuturist. And I'm just like, Afro what now? Um, and so uh, so that was like my first time encountering it. Uh, and then Black Panther came out. And, and so all of a sudden that, that term is, you know, vaulted in, in, into popularity and in into the popular lexicon and everything. So. Uh, but that was my first introduction to me as an Afrofuturist. I, I'd never really thought about it in those terms. I was just writing stories of uh, that uh, that amused me at the time. And then, uh, so like with Pit My Airship, for example, that was originally a short story that's in that collection. And so, uh, and one of the things I wanted to do is it was the first time I tried to take uh, one of the worlds I'd created in in a short story and expand it out into a full novel. Uh, and so when I was expanding Pit Myership into a, a novel, that gave me, an, uh, an, yes, it takes place in an alternate version of, uh, of America, but it gave me a chance to use uh, the genre called steampunk, which is what, what, that, uh, what that book is, um, and use that as a way to critique uh, the present, the past, and, and, uh, and, and start to create models for what, what, uh, uh, what a, a future could look like and how we could uh, start working towards that future. So... Uh, Pit My Airship. Um, so in that universe, the uh, uh, America lost the Revolutionary War, and and remains a colony of England. And so, and, and then by with that as a, as the breakpoint in history, when I now now I get to examine modern day Indianapolis, like really intensifying the oppressive systems that are actually already in place. It's just now uh, using science fiction 
uh, people are able to look at that with, with a, a bit of a distance. There's like this remove that happens. It's like, well, uh, he can't be purposely talking about our current reality because th- there's this remove that happens where, where it's like, well, this is science fiction. He's like, okay, it's science fiction, but I'm still going to examine very real world issues uh, of, of over policing of uh, uh, this uh, necro capitalistic society that, that we've built our economy on um, of, uh, you know, why black people are, ha- are, were forced to live in, in, in different areas and examining what redlining is and, 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 and just all these different forces that, that are in play when it comes to what it means to navigate through this uh, culture as, as black. So I, I got to do all of that uh, using the tools of, uh, of Afrofuturism. Establishing that you fully engage yourself with the concept and just topic of Afrofuturism into your writing, when did that come to play and when did it get you introduced into Kepra or did it get you introduced into Kepra? Ah, Okay, so so right after, right after the Voices of Martyrs came out, so I, so Voices of Martyrs uh, and my novella uh, uh, Buffalo Soldier both came out in twenty sixteen, and uh, and by this point I was uh, I was already working with uh, uh, the Learning Tree, uh, another grassroots uh, neighborhood uh, organization, um, and that was my first entry into into what it means to do uh, community work. And so uh, through a series of events, I end up at, at Capra, but um, that doing that work in the community, getting to know my neighbors, getting to see the work that's being done at, at, at that community level, at that grassroots level, at the, at the level of getting at, at the, at the neighborhood level, uh, that was a pivotal, at least I think as I look back on my writing career, that was a, a pivotal moment for me because now uh, my work gets infused with this, uh, not only a sense of urgency and immediacy, but there, there's almost like this, I don't know, purpose. <laughs> I don't know it. I don't know how else to describe it, uh, but a purpose behind the work. So um, my community work infuses my writing and then my writing then infuses my community work. So, uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, as I get to, as, as I get deeper and deeper involved in the work, I get to see how it plays out in community uh, and get to see how the different stories get uh, play out in, in community. And so in my writing, I get to play with those stories. Uh, that being said, uh, having that lens of, a, of, of an Afrofuturist, I, I, get, I guess is one way of looking at it is, you know, all right, so if we're in this present moment, where do we want to be? And then I, I, then, then I start writing, you know, where could we be, you know, hundred years from now, 500 years from now, you know, I start, start imagining the possibilities of what could be. And then once I'm able to you know, get that sort of vision in my head, it's like, all right. So I paint this vision in, in a story. These are things that are, that are possible in the future, but now what steps can we be making in the present to start heading towards that future? And so, uh, and that's what I mean by my work infusing my, my, my community work infusing my writing and my writing infusing my, my community work. Bringing it back to present day, I want to get your opinion on both pandemics and how do you think it's going to affect your abilities as a writer? 
One of the things I, I, I tend to say about being a, an Afrofuturist is, you know, my writing, actually both my writing and my community work comes from a place of, of, of future hope. So I, I, I have this future hope of, of the world being a better place. Uh, but I'm under no illusion that in order to get to that uh, better place, uh, there's going to involve a lot of collapse because uh, a lot of the systems that are, we're, we're currently under and currently experiencing, they just they're not sustainable and they're not working for us. So uh, there's been no uh, pipe dream for me of like, man, I can't wait to get back to normal. No, no. Normal didn't serve me. The status quo didn't serve me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm ready for the new normal. So let's be about creating that new normal. And uh, and, and I think that's all, that. So in that regard, that, that's not changing in my writing. Uh, so uh, so there's there's that. So with, with COVID-19. Uh, for, so for one thing, well, I mean, let's face it. I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm here at home uh, and I, I rarely leave my house. The, the closest uh, to me leaving most days is me wandering to, up to my front porch and hanging out on the front porch, watch, doing my writing and, and, and watching the world. Uh, and so in that regard, it's allowed me time to, you know, frankly, to focus on my writing, to uh, have, have plenty of writing time and get a lot of writing done. It also allows me time to uh, watch the world. Um, how, how people are moving through the world in, in light of COVID-19 and to see where the breaks in the systems are, are, are happening. What is not working? Where, where are things grinding to a halt? Where, what, what things, I mean, where, where are the fractures happening in, 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 the, in, in all the artificial constructs that we've built for ourselves? Where, where are all the, cra- uh, the fractures happening? And it's been uh, fascinating to watch that. And then fascinating to watch people's uh, sort of denial of all of that. So, I mean, so you talk about how it inspires my work. I mean, there's a lot of us who end up writing uh, like uh, post-apocalyptic novels or, or, or global pandemic novels or, or zombie apocalypse novels. Um, and it's been fascinating to watch, you know, how, how we've gotten it wrong in some ways. Cause uh, you know, I, I, I never imagined that uh, my post-apocalyptic uh, uniform would be, you know, my pajamas most of the time. Uh, you know, each day I'm, I'm you know, like, am I going to commit to pants today? Because we're in the middle of the, the apocalypse. But the apocalypse, hey, doesn't have me straying too far from my front porch. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. Uh, so, you know, there's there's that aspect to, to the writing. And and frankly, in, th- in terms of uh, looking towards the future, it's like, all right, so in light of, and frankly, look, I've talked about this being in some ways a practice pandemic because, I mean, biologists have been telling us for for a long time, global a global pandemic is inevitable, um, and so this this as, as bad as COVID nineteen is, you know, a worse pandemic is probably around the corner. So it's like, how do people react? Watching people react to that has also been fascinating. Like, to, to the idea that Americans can go about a pandemic and and after two months go, you know what? I'm bored of this. I'm I'm going to move on. I'm like. You don't get bored <laughs> of, of of possible systems ending uh, uh, pandemics, uh, but no, in America, no, you apparently you can get bored and, and try to carry on as if nothing's wrong because you want to get back to you know your comfort levels. Uh, and so, watching how that how people react to things that are so much bigger than them has also been uh, fascinating and. Uh, something I'm, I'm considering in, in, you know, not just as a writer, but as a, as a human trying to navigate this world is like, oh man, when, when we're faced against something that's just too big for us, we, we just shut down and retreat. 
and uh, as many people want to deny that that's been their reaction. No, no, your reaction has been to shut down and retreat in, in light of things that are just too big for you. And uh, being under attack by this thing, by this invisible enemy, it's just, it, it's frank, it's just too much for people. Thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No, you're so welcome. I wish I could have ended on a <laughs> on a happier note as opposed to, well, you know, there's this apocalyptic doom. <laughs> but even with these um, just rain, cl- rain clouds of just despair coming towards us, there's always a glimmer of hope. And if we and if we always keep on the optimistic side and always try and enforce. And always just try to um, make sure that the positivity that we want to see is put into this world, then we will get a positive outcome. Well, yeah. And, and that actually, you know, when all said and done is what fuels my writing, because in, in the end of the day, like I said, I'm working from this place of future hope. And so when I look around, you know, with the chaos of outside and yet still wanting to dream about what tomorrow could look like, you know, it all still comes down to the, the same thing, which is, you know, we're in this together. We're in this as a community uh, and so what does it look like for us to uh, see each other, not not just as neighbors, but as connected human beings? And what does it look like to support each other in our humanity? What does it look like to, uh, you know, create systems and, and do relationships in a way that support one another and, and celebrate one another? And, and that is ultimately uh, where my work is today and what I'm dreaming about for tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homegrown Solutions, Sustainability in Crisis, a Kepper Institute podcast on community creating in the midst of chaos. You can find this episode at podcast.kepper.org along with others. If you like what you hear and want to support Kepper's work, visit donate.kepper.org. Our storytelling team consists of Leah Humphrey, Asli Mwai Africa, Chinyelu Mwai Africa, Chio Mwai Africa, Ali Tazia, Ajani Johnson, Trey Ramsey, and Keenan Rhodes. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time.